You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. And welcome, welcome, welcome to all of you on this glorious Sunday, Sunday morning out here in the West, Sunday just getting into that afternoon hour, just a minute or so after noon uh, in the East. Uh, I'm your host for the next half hour. I am Dr. Jeff Werber, host of Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff, and we're here for you, here to answer your questions, help you with your pets, any information that you either couldn't get, didn't understand from your veterinarian, you can just call in, send me a text, send me a note here live at Pet Life Radio. You can give us a call, 877-385-8882. Once again, 877-385-8882. You can also log in, PetLifeRadio.com. Go to Ask the Vets tab, and you will join in the conversation. There's a huge box there. Just type away. Lastly, you can always send a quick email to Jeff. that's Dr. Jeff, at PetLifeRadio.com, and uh, we'll go ahead and help you out. And as an extra bonus, other than free information, just for calling, sending me a text, joining us on the show, don't be bashful. We will send you out a free ProSense product and a free Kong product. So you can't lose. You, get, you can only win. And uh, anything that we can do to help you and your pets is great. I just heard, I was just telling Mark, our producer, that I'm going to be on next Sunday again on Fox & Friends. I do a number of Fox & Friends episodes, so I'll be heading to New York myself. I understand it's getting kind of cold there, huh? So uh, anyway, any of you uh, there in the East, at least, at least come on and tell me how I should pack. So, uh, but I'll be uh, there uh, doing a segment on holiday hazards next Sunday on Fox and Friends. So that would be that should be fun. Anyway, we have been on a fairly detailed path in the, over the last several weeks, and we are talking about some of the very common endocrine-related diseases that we see in our pets. We've uh, spoken about the uh, disease called Cushing's disease. We, then we talked about Addison's disease. And we are going to then, uh, we started briefly talking about hyperthyroid, hypothyroidism, which we're going to really delve into today. Then we're going to go into some of the diabetes conditions, the diabetes mellitus and the diabetes insipidus, not related. One is a pancreatic problem, and uh, that's the diabetes mellitus, that's the sugar diabetes. And the other one is more of a brain water balance, sodium potassium type of condition. There's a hormone called vasopressin, which tells us and it helps us respond and our pets respond to signals from the rest of the body, how much we should be drinking and of what we drink, how much should the kidneys save and how much do they get to excrete. And uh, that disease is also a disease we have to deal with, just not to mix the two up. Anyway, so on our discussion of uh, the thyroid disorders, by the way, if any of you have had animals that have had thyroid problems, we definitely want to hear from you. There are so many different and things and so many nuances and, and different ways to treat these conditions now that we'd really like to hear from you. Let us know whether it was successful or not, how your pets did on the treatment, how your pets did after the treatment, etc. So don't be shy. Give us a call at 877-385-8882. Share your stories with us because it's interesting how much our other pet lovers can learn from the experiences that others have had. Sometimes you don't always you don't always want to learn this stuff firsthand. You want to have that preparedness and by hearing others 
faced with a dilemma as far as treatment and maybe one or two different methods or three different ways to go when it comes to treatment, hearing other people's stories might help you decide what might be the best way to go. Because uh, as is sometimes the case, I don't want to say often the case, but as sometimes the case, we hear that, I'm going to just take this phone away, as is sometimes the case that if you put in five veterinarians into a room, there's a good chance you'll get six different opinions. So we always have to make sure that you know medicine is not exact. I wish it were. And I, as I often joke, I said, we read the books, we learn. You may read the books, you may know, but unfortunately our pets haven't read the book. So they don't know how they're supposed to respond. They don't know how they're supposed to react and uh, they don't know how they're supposed to act even with a disease. So that's what makes what we do so difficult because our patients can't tell us. We, the veterinarian, is relying on you to give us the, uh, the information and, and the right information. And sometimes it's difficult for you as well. So thyroid. Interestingly, it's a gland. It's usually right by the neck. Unlike people, the two glands are not attached. That is very important when it comes to potential treatment. In people, there is what's called an isthmus. It's like a, a little, almost like a piece of land attaching the two thyroids. So frequently when a person has to deal with a thyroid problem or have a thyroid removed, they have to take the entire, both lobes of the thyroid, where it's really, in humans, it's more like a single gland that with two lobes, where in animals, our dogs and cats, they're two separate. So the condition that we often see, let's talk dogs first, is hypothyroidism. And sadly, hypothyroidism is often overdiagnosed. And when I say overdiagnosed, it's often diagnosed, a dog is diagnosed with having a hypothyroid condition when in fact they don't. I'll explain why. So it's very important that you need to be a bit more proactive, uh, especially, and I'm, this is not a stab at anyone because I was there in the same place years ago, but there are a number of tests that need to be run before the diagnosis is made. And the typical test that is run as part of a blood screen is called the T4. And the problem is that that level, that T4 value, can be very affected by other problems the dog may be having. Meaning, it will often appear to be low. A doctor might make a diagnosis, therefore, of hypothyroidism, low thyroid, when in fact, it's not low at all. And we call this sick thyroid syndrome. So it's a puzzle because you have a dog that presents ill. Dogs that often present ill are ADR, ain't doing right. They are a little sluggish. They may not be eating well. So, well, that could be low thyroid because the thyroid hormone is what sort of keeps us active. It adjusts our metabolism. It gets our heart pumping. So dogs that are truly hypothyroid, low thyroid levels are often gaining weight. They are really sluggish. They're moping around. They are more prone to illness. For example, since the link between the, our metabolism and our immune system, our immune system doesn't function as well in a hypothyroid state. So these dogs, whereas the, a normal bacterium may not cause a problem in a healthy pet, in a dog with hypothyroidism, it may. So that's the classic appearance, the classic presentation, if you will, of what a truly hypothyroid dog is like. Well, if you have a dog that's sick and let's say has a severe intestinal problem, well, God, they're mopey. They may not want to eat. They're sitting around. Their skin might look ugly and, and dry and you know, all these things. So and then you get your test back and it says, oh my God, the T4 is low. That must be hypothyroid. Let's start treating. And that's a huge mistake, a huge mistake. So what really, what needs to be done is to separate out 
the different type of thyroid hormone to really know for sure whether or not a dog is truly hypothyroid, low thyroid function. Now, I use the T4 as a screening test. I use that along with clinical presentation, history, age, breed, all those things we call the signalment, and to determine whether or not your dog is truly hypothyroid. And if we have a T4 that comes back low, and we want to really rule in or out true hypothyroid versus, say, sick thyroid syndrome, then there are some other tests that need to be run. One is called a free T4 by ED. ED stands for equilibrium dialysis. And if free T4 by ED is also low, then very likely that is confirmation that the dog, your pet, is truly hypothyroid and could be start, you know, needs to be treated accordingly. Now, another test is just like with, as you've hopefully, if you've been paying attention when we talked about Cushing's and Addison's and all these diseases and prednisone, the body has an amazing, amazing feedback type of system where it could read what is low and what is not low, how things are doing, and then signal the appropriate gland to either act or not act. And one of the things that we have with the thyroid is the same thing. The pituitary gland in the brain can stimulate the thyroid via a transmitter called TSH. It's a thyroid-stimulating hormone. So when TSH is released by the brain, it signals the thyroids to start pumping out hormone. So when the body is truly, truly low on thyroid, not sick thyroid syndrome, but low on the, the thyroid hormones, you can imagine, if you figure this out, is TSH going to be secreted from the brain more or less? Well, it's going to be more because the brain picks up, oh my God, we're low thyroid. We got to signal that thyroid gland to get its button gear and start cooking. We need more thyroid hormone out there. So it sends that signal via TSH. So if you run a TSH level on a dog that is low thyroid and TSH is normal, what does that tell you? It tells you that the dog's not really low thyroid because if it were, the body would have been throwing out more TSH from the brain and we would have elevated TSH, which then brings me to the second way to really truly evaluate whether or not a, the low thyroid T4 in the blood is real via TSH. So when TSH is high, meaning it's picking up the fact that the dog truly is low thyroid. The brain says, hey, we got to do something about this. Quick, quick, get in the gear. Let's spit out some TSH. Let's stimulate that thyroid gland. And the thyroid gland is not listening because the dog has a true thyroid disorder. Then that's another way to confirm the hunch, the diagnosis that, yes, in fact, the dog is truly hypothyroid. Now, having said all this, and now hopefully you all get a much better understanding, even in this day and age, and I'm talking, this is you know, when I say new, it's not new. It's relatively new. It's for the last 15 years, we've really learned more about the thyroid gland. And when I started practicing many moons ago, we looked at T3, T4. If they were low, we started supplementing with thyroid hormone. Now we're finding out we were way over diagnosing true hypothyroid. As a matter of fact, we don't see it as commonly as once, but just, it's so interesting. I had a case that was referred to me and uh, the dog was on the thyroid supplement, which we'll get to in a second. And on a post-treatment test, about two months later, the thyroid levels were high. So what does that tell you? It told me that I better look at the, this dog's records to see what test was used to diagnose the quote-unquote hypothyroidism in the first place. And sure enough, all this doctor used was a T4. Here we are in 2014 with all this amazing information. And this doctor 
made a diagnosis, and, and even worse than that, the low normal, depending on what laboratory, for normal thyroid is either 0.9 or 1, whatever, and this dog was 0.8. It wasn't even that low, and he didn't do another test, didn't do a TSH, didn't do a T4 by ED to truly confirm whether this was true hyperthyroidism. So what happened? Of course, you start giving this dog thyroid hormone as a supplement every day, twice a day, and his levels are going to go up. You're making the dog hyperthyroid. So that's why you really need to know that don't let, and you can challenge, you know, veterinarians, we're okay with being challenged. Ask questions, especially if the veterinarian's older, there's nothing wrong with it. Look, I'm older, so it doesn't make a difference. But you have to, if you, if there's any question, you know, there's so much more that we learn. And, you know, it's one of the reasons I joke that I hire young associates because I don't have to go to CE, continuing education. I just get it all from my young associates. But it's very important to make that distinction. Treatment, I just alluded to, actually fairly simple. Once it's determined that the dog truly is hypothyroid, treatment is pretty easy. It is a thyroid supplement. Personally, there are generics out there, and though I'm a, you know, a firm believer that generics are fine, our antibiotics, I don't have to buy name brand of certain antibiotics if it's available now as a generic, and these, some, some of these generic companies are great. When it comes to replacement hormones, I, it's my own take. Uh, obviously, check with your veterinarian. It's fine, but I, I kind of like using some of the name brands. There's a really good name brand. There are two. One is called Thyrotabs. One is called Siloxin. No, I'm not getting paid by any of them. I'm just saying that I don't like to buy Levothyroxin tabs, purely generic. The Siloxin has been the industry standard. Thyrotabs now have also hit the market and are very trustworthy. But I personally stay away when it comes to hormone replacements because how important they are using you know some generic company that's just spitting out medication from wherever. So anyway, that's our basics. You're all thyroid, at least hypothyroid experts now. And given that, we are going to take our quick break, be back in a few minutes, and we're going to talk about the opposite of hypothyroidism, which is hyperthyroidism, which unless the doctor is giving your dog too much thyroid medication, we don't usually see in dogs, but we see it a lot in cats. We'll be right back. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. This is my tired of itching face. Does your dog suffer from persistent itching and scratching? Allergies and skin irritations caused by environment, including pollens, insects, especially fleas, food and common household allergens are common problems in dogs. It's easy to alleviate your dog's discomfort at home with ProSense. ProSense itch and allergy products provide fast relief from symptoms like itchy, irritated skin, skin infections like hot spots and watery eyes. ProSense products are veterinary formulated and recommended to ensure the very best for your pet. Try ProSense today. Day. Your dog will thank you for it. Pets love life. Love them back with ProSense. It's designerpetsweaters.com, the latest fashion trends for our furry friends. Hand-knitted designer sweaters for your precious pup or cool cat. Beautiful couture patterns for your pets, including custom-knitted formal wear, casual wear, yachting, and even sports-themed. Many designer pet sweaters include feathered tammy hats, top hats, and a lot of sparkle. Each sweater includes leg loops, front paw sleeves, and leash opening. Visit designerpetsweaters.com to order your four-legged fashions today. Your pets will stay warm for the winter and be runway ready. Large or small, we fit them all. Designerpetsweaters.com There's nothing more delicious and healthy than an old family recipe. And for over 50 years, our family's been creating them especially for your pets. Nutrisource Super Premium Pet Foods. Dog and cat food that's all natural, holistic, and organic. 
Nutrisource Pet Foods contain our patented Good for Life system for your pet's optimum health and well-being. So order now. Safe quality food made by our family for your furry family members. Go to NutrisourcePetFoods.com. From our family to yours, KLM Family Brands. Pet Life Radio, the number one pet radio network on the planet, joins forces with iHeartRadio to put the power of your pets in your pocket. Awesome. Download the iHeartRadio app and rock Pet Life Radio on your phone, on your tablet, on your Xbox, in your car. Pet talk, pet tunes, and fun pet times. Pet Life Radio and iHeartRadio. Positively possum. Thinking about buying a monkey? How about a ferret or a skunk? Then check out the show that will answer the burning questions, where do you get them? What do you feed them? How do you take care of them? And most of all, what were you thinking? With exotic pet expert and author Bob Tart, every week on demand from PetLifeRadio.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. And welcome back. You're here with Ask with Dr. Jeff Werber. That's me on Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff here on Pet Life Radio, the only live call-in radio show. Call in, Skype in, write in, whatever in. Just do it. So uh, we can talk about, we can talk pets. Before the break, we were discussing as part of our series on the hormone diseases, what we call the endocrine diseases affecting our pets. We were talking about hypothyroidism, that's low thyroid hormone disorder, which we see in dogs. And again, to recap, the typical symptom is that dog that's got kind of mopey, putting on weight, lack of energy, skin is sometimes very dull, sometimes greasy. We see this a lot. I mean, if I see a dog like this, a golden retriever like this, I'm thinking primary hypothyroidism. But we caution about making a diagnosis too quickly because of the fact that other conditions will drop our T4, the thyroid hormone, the standard thyroid hormone that's often included in most of the blood tests. And we can have what's called a false decrease of thyroid. A doctor goes ahead, starts supplementing without confirming, and that can lead to some problems uh, actually creating a hyperthyroid state. Now, hyperthyroidism, that is an over-secretion of the gland. And there, it's the opposite, of course. We see it in cats. And it often is seen in cats, older cats. And you know, what's so weird about it is, I mean, we're talking, this could be diagnosed in a cat that's 16 or 17 and perfect. And the only challenge is, and by the way, one of my older cats, 16 actually, does or did, I could say nicely, happily, have hyperthyroidism. He's a Maine Coon, Norwegian forest cat cross. He's huge, 22 pounds and not fat. So I'm noticing him, he's getting older, he's 16. Everything's fine, eating up a storm, happy, all good. But I noticed when I pick him up and I brush him, he was, he's losing a little weight. So I, I bring him in and he was down to 14 pounds. That's eight pounds. But he's so big and fluffy, it's really hard to tell. So it was due anyway for his annual physical. So I'm taking bloods. And now what I do, and I, and I recommend this, and I've spoken to many a veterinarian telling them to do this as part of the routine, that when I do a blood test, an annual senior blood test on a cat over seven 
I always automatically include that T4 by ED. That is the free T4 by ED equilibrium dialysis. We talked about it in the last uh, first 15 minutes uh, as far as dogs and to really differentiate between true hypo or hyperthyroidism and the actual T4 level itself that can be affected by many other things. And sure enough, with a high normal free T4 by ED from 10 to 50, good old Oreo was over 100. And greater than 100 means that they stop counting once you hit over 100. So I had my diagnosis. I'm thinking, that's it, of course. So interestingly, and, and happily for Oreo, and of course me, his kidneys at 16 are still doing amazingly well. And the reason why I mentioned that specifically is that cats, as they get older, probably with each advancing year, uh, especially when they hit the late teens, they will probably 100% or pretty close to that succumb to kidney failure. So when you have a cat that is also concurrently hyperthyroid, you have to think about this for a second, but when you have a hyperthyroid cat who also has kidney disease, believe it or not, the kidney disease doesn't look as bad. And here's why. What do the kidneys do? The kidneys are filters, if you will. And they're filtering all these bad things out from the blood. And blood is pumping. Well, if you can imagine that since dogs that are hypothyroid, everything is moving more slowly, the heart is, is slowing down. What happens to a cat that's hyperthyroid? Their blood is pumping faster. They're going through the system more. So every pass, if you have a, a filter, for example, any kind of filter, a coffee filter, and you run it through twice, right? So it's going to keep a lot of that bad stuff out better than had you just done it once. You get that second pass. Well, so here you have these kidneys in a cat, an older cat, that aren't working quite up to par, and yet you are passing the blood through more than once per cycle because the heart's racing much faster because of the hyperthyroidism. So what you would normally use to determine kidney function, the value is called BUN, creatinine, we'll get to that at a way later time we talk about the kidney, but all of a sudden, it doesn't look so bad. But what happens? You finally successfully treat the thyroid problem, the heart normalizes, slows down, you don't get that extra pass through the weakening kidney, and all of a sudden, you can imagine, your kidney values shoot up. So it's difficult you know, to tell a client, oh my God, we got these minor second disease, which we know in older cats becomes the major disease, and we see it abruptly when we fix the thyroid gland and fix the hyperthyroidism. But it's still, when push comes to shove, you really have to treat the hyperthyroidism because, because these cats, I mean, they can get so thin, ultimately pretty weak. And then as they get sicker because of the untreated hyperthyroidism, all right, where they've been pretty active and eating well, but still losing weight, then they start slowing down because they're feeling lousy. And then they're still eating, but now they start putting on weight. So you think, oh my God, well, maybe it's not hyperthyroidism. So it's very important. And I just advise, and there's nothing wrong with saying to your veterinarian, oh, you're treating my old cat. You're going to do some blood tests on my old cat. Can you make sure that we really do both thyroid tests? I want to check for hyperthyroidism as well. So that's very important to include that in the basic testing. So as far as treatment with hyperthyroidism, years ago when I, in fact, I remember my first case of hyperthyroidism, another value that is often high, you know, we talked about the masking the kidneys, but we often see elevated liver enzymes with hyperthyroidism in cats. Then of course, as we discussed, the heart's racing like crazy. You can have a heart rate over 240, 240. I mean, it's insane how fast their hearts start pumping. So remember when I first started working for my ex-boss, I had a cat, 17-year-old cat, 
that he had diagnosed, he had seen, and wanted to diagnose or treat the heart disease and the liver disease. And gave this client, obviously with a 17-year-old cat with heart disease and concurrent liver disease, a very poor prognosis. And here I come along, the young veterinarian, and knowing a little bit more about some thyroid issues, I, first of all, we did a test to evaluate thyroid. And because I could feel the gland, and because I know there's a tenet in medicine, and this is for humans, this is, don't look for four different diseases going on at once. I'm sure you guys watch House MD, right? What you're looking for is the one disease that can cause all of these symptoms. Well, I'm thinking, old cat, I could feel little knobs in the neck, fast heart rate, liver disease. I don't think it's two different diseases. I don't think it's cat's got heart disease and liver disease. I think it's got thyroid. We tested, sure enough, hyperthyroid. Well, this was 30 years ago. Uh, we didn't have some of the treatments and the treatment of choice then, and it was all about surgery. And um, we have to end up our show. We're going to finish this discussion next week or the week after, depending on whether I can join you live, because I will be in New York. I may be on a plane at uh, noon Eastern time after doing my show. But the only choice of treatment was surgery. And here I am, young guy, right out of school, taking the thyroid glands out of a 17-year-old cat, full anesthesia, clearly. Well, P.S., this cat made it to 19 and a half. And it was just an amazing case. But fortunately, surgery now is, is not quite passe. It's still done, but we have many other options. And one, the way they treat humans. And I'm going to leave you in suspense until next week, or hopefully next week, maybe the week after. Uh, if you get a chance, uh, Fox and Friends next week, if you ever, if anyone of you are in New York and you want to come down to the studio, Fox Studios on 6th Avenue in the high 40s, um, we usually shoot our segments outside. Uh, it might be cool to walk by and, and uh, visit us. Uh, and that's Fox and Friends next Sunday. Otherwise, I'll be with you next Sunday or maybe in two weeks. I want to once again thank our sponsors, ProSense Pet Products, the uh, veterinary quality pet products available at the over-the-counter at the mass uh, uh, stores like, like uh, Walmart and also Kong Toys. So have a great week. Uh, I'll be back either next week or the week after. But again, if you are, happen to be in New York and you're listening and you want to come down uh, Sunday morning and watch Fox and Friends live, then uh, come on down. Introduce yourselves. Uh, have a pleasant week. We'll be back. I'm Dr. Jeff Werber. Thanks for joining me. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. <laughs>